Hey friends, and welcome back to this week's episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. I'm your non-diet dietitian, trainer, and host Katie, and this is episode 242. Now today, I am so excited to introduce you to Brooke. Brooke is the newest member of our team at Katie Hake Health and Fitness, and today she's going to share a little bit about her story, how she got into the space, you know, her own experience living with an eating disorder. So I will give a little trigger warning there if you struggle. With disordered eating, she's going to talk a little bit about her experience and how her experience has added just so much value to really understanding the work that we do, really understanding the feeling, the pain that she doesn't want anybody else to experience. Now, I will warn you that today's audio is a little off and you can blame me because I clicked some weird button and I don't know, it made it weird. So just know that I am well aware of that, but the content I hope is still good. It's still amazing, Brooke sharing her story. So just a little bit about Brooke. Brooke is, of course, a dietitian nutritionist with a passion for helping women silence their inner dieting voice, make peace with food, and most importantly, free up brain space to focus on the things that truly matter. Brooke is the associate dietitian here at our practice based out of Indianapolis, serving clients locally and around the world. She provides nutrition coaching in both one-on-one and group settings. She loves being able to help clients implement these steps of a non-diet approach to dissolve those food rules and to trust their body. Brooke earned her dietetics degree from Kansas State University, and as a mom to two girls, one with a food allergy, Brooke has firsthand experience making healthy eating easy, especially for the whole family. With experience in food service and school nutrition, Brooke loves to help Clients learn to eat in a way that's both low stress and sustainable. She believes that nutrition from a non-diet approach, it's not a one-size-fits-all. So I really hope that you learn to love Brooke the same way that I do. You know, trust her like you trust me. She's amazing at this work and she wouldn't be here if if she wasn't. So let's get into today's episode. But before we do that, make sure if you haven't already, join our free Facebook community. That is where we post the regular episodes. We talk about them. I will be going live soon here to answer any questions, to do free Q&A, almost think of it like a live coaching class. So we'll put links to all the things in the show notes. And I can't wait for you to meet Brooke. Let's get to it. Welcome to Fit Friends Happy Hour, a podcast about all things nutrition, fitness, and life in your 20s and 30s, all from a non-diet lens. I'm your host, Katie Hake, and I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist and certified personal trainer. Join me here every week as I talk with interesting people and experts from all walks of life about their relationship with food and their bodies. I'll also share my experience working with clients in my private practice to help women find food freedom and body confidence. I'm on a mission to help you stop quantifying and start living. Learn to stop measuring your success by the scale and find your fears. Okay, we're just going to pretend that we have not been talking for like an hour before this. Everybody listening, I am so excited to introduce you to Brooke. Uh, If you've been following the podcast or Instagram for some time, you've you've seen her do an Instagram takeover, but Brooke is newest member of our team. And I really just want to share your story and let people know like who you are. So welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Katie. Thanks for having me here. So let's start by just 
telling our audience, you know, who is Brooke? What's your story with food, with body, you know, and what led you to ultimately become a dietitian? Okay. I'm a registered dietitian, obviously. I am a single mom of two girls, 15 and 11. And I struggled myself with eating disorders in my late teens, early 20s, started when I had gone to away to college for the first time. So my journey to becoming a dietitian is a little wonky as the eating disorders kept me from completing college the first time around. And once I recovered, I decided that I wanted to help other people. But becoming a single mom, I did that later. I was in my early 30s when I decided to go back to school because my youngest daughter was diagnosed with food allergies. So not only did I want to help other people be in a better place with food, but I wanted to be able to help parents when it came to food allergies with their own children. So it's kind of been a a very long process to get here. I needed to get my bachelor's degree and do an internship while working full-time, putting food on the table and raising my own daughters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love though that your how much your story really interweaves into the work that you do. So for you, you know, what did what did recovery look like? Like was it a straight and narrow path or how did that really you know, how did you get to a point? Because I think a lot of dietitians can relate to this story too, of that, you know, they themselves, you know, I, that's part of my story too, is I struggled with food and body and even becoming a dietitian didn't realize that the part of that almost like fed into a lot of those disordered behaviors. So was recovery kind of straight and narrow for you or what, what did that path look like recovery. To, to finding intuitive eating ultimately? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Recovery was definitely not straight and narrow. I myself went to treatment centers multiple times. My oldest was a year old when I finally went to the last treatment and an intensive outpatient and recovered, like started my, what I felt like my true recovery while Mm -hmm. the other treatment centers had given me bits and pieces that I feel I took, you know, through my recovery later, I always circled back and yeah. So I was probably about, let's see, doing the math. I was like 27 when I finally, it stuck more. Mm -hmm. And even then it wasn't straight and narrow. There's, you know, ebbs and flows in it, but it was learning to trust my body and learning to trust that it was okay to gain the weight I needed to gain or that my body was going to fluctuate. And even through the help of dietitians in Mm -hmm. the programs, it was a very slow process, but I was able to trust my body and knowing like where I am today, as far as being recovered and trusting my body and being able to enjoy those things that before I wouldn't be able to enjoy is amazing. Um, And if just a real quick like side, I had gone, I had run into a coffee shop just last week to grab some lunch um, for my daughter and I. And I was waiting for our food and there, they have tables of chocolates and candies and whatnot. And I was waiting a while for my food and just kind of sitting there thinking and even reflecting on my own journey while I'm looking at those chocolates and candies and whatnot. And knowing that if I would have walked into a shop 12 years ago and seen those, it would have been the entire time I was standing there. It would have been a battle with myself of like, oh, I want to buy these, but knowing that I'm going to binge on them or 
just that pull and whatnot. Whereas I went in there and I ordered our food and I was like, oh, okay, there's, you know, mm. chocolates there, but they're not appetizing at this point. So I'm not going to go and buy $20 of chocolates and then not enjoy them later because I'm, you know, eating them all because my brain and my body and everything else is ultimately starving or I've been restricting those. So it's full circle moments that even come to me these days is amazing. Yeah. The brain space. I just had posted this to Instagram the other day about like, can you imagine being at a place where food feels neutral? And I can relate to that as well. And I think hopefully some of our listeners have like, wow, okay. Looking at where that I've been, it is possible to be in this place. And even in this place now, it is kind of mind blowing. So what then inspired you to get into this, this work? You know, did you have positive experiences with dietitians or were, were there things through your recovery that going through or looking back, you realized, hmm, there's a different way that I want to practice as a clinician myself? Oh, absolutely. So it, through one, yeah, the help of dietitians and explaining more the science behind the food and trusting them in, in my journey of recovery that they're not there because they want me to gain all the sweet weight or whatever and leave me. They want to help my body restore so that my brain can restore and I can think about things differently. Mm -hmm. But also I think the one thing I come back to is the freedom, like you just said, like that neutrality with food. And there's so much more space in my head because I don't think about food. <laughs> yes, I'm a dietitian and I talk about food all day with other people, <laughs> but I'm not sitting there and thinking in my head of, oh gosh, what can I have for breakfast? You know, how yeah. many calories is this? If I do this, then this or whatever, it's a, you know, okay, here's breakfast or, you know, sometimes things sounds amazing. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go eat that. Or sometimes I'm like, eh, I know I need to eat. So I'm going to go eat something. It might not be the most amazing thing I ate, but I know I'm going to feel better and not get hangry later. Yeah. You know, so it's more of I, I want others to feel to feel the freedom, literally. Mm -hmm. I know that's you know, might sound crazy, but just feel feel good and not think about food and literally have space in their brain for other things because it's so consuming and exhausting. Yeah. What was it like having your daughter when she when you learned that she had all these food allergies? Was that triggering for you? How did you navigate that? Because I would imagine there's people listening too. And we've, we've done podcast episodes on, you know, how do I do, how do I practice intuitive eating while also struggling with a diagnosis or in a case with allergies, foods off limits. So what was that like for you as the mom, but also like helping her navigate that and really the family navigate it? Yeah. So with her, she we found out when she was very young that she had food allergies after multiple, multiple medical things. It all came down to it was food allergies. So she was only like 18 months-ish when she was diagnosed. So really it didn't change much for her. That's all she's ever known. You know, she's always carried an epi and whatnot. But as she's grown, she's gotten upset sometimes. Like, I can't eat that because... So it's tree nuts she's allergic to. So it's, I can't eat that because it's main facility or whatever, and other people can have it. So it has been tricky navigating that as far as my other daughter being like, hey, I want this. And I'm like, okay, but we need to make it fair because, mm -hmm. you know, she can't have it. So let's find, you know, a happy medium. And it's gotten different as they've grown older because they understand more and 
you know, my one daughter might have something and just know, you know, to go brush her teeth or, you know, mm-hmm. wash her hands and clean up after herself. But yeah, it's, it was kind of a, since it was a diagnosis and I wanted to keep her safe as a parent, it was kind of a no brainer to me. And yes, mm-hmm. while nuts are off limits, I don't know. It, it, it is tricky. It's a really good question. <laughs> um, you sound like a, a different parent. Substitutions, right? Too. Yeah. Like, what else can I substitute that is going to fulfill maybe what it is that I want? Because I, I'll be, I, I love nuts, like cashews, you know, walnuts, which is how she, we found out that she had an allergy because I had walnuts in my salad that she ate. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's like, okay, well, I can't, you know, I'm not eating those when I'm around her. So I'm going to have pumpkin seeds or, you know, it's, it's finding those substitutions. So I'm still feeling fulfilled and trying the same with my other daughter. Yeah. Let's let's do that. Sounds like in the moment too, you're, which is so interesting. And I just, I love having conversations about like child nutrition and just the power of like intuitive eating. It, It gives you that brain space, but it sounds like you were kind of in that moment of, parent brain turned on that really overdrove that any food restriction, like you had the space to put your parent brain on and worry about her safety first, instead of worrying about these foods off limits or anything that might come up around certain, certain foods. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. They come first, like automatically in your brain, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. How would you say that your experience with food and your body has shaped kind of how you mom or how you, you know, how you raise the girls. Oh, so especially at the age that they are now, right. They have opinions, they're learning, like they're just little sponges. Yeah. That's a great question. So I, I've always been in the mindset that since I had them, that I did not want them to hear me talk about my body, especially in a negative way, but you know, not even like a positive way, you know, just like, it's neutral. All bodies are different and, and whatnot. Well, I guess talk about it in a positive way, but not like weight and that type of thing. Um, not praising, not praising yes. one body type or another over another. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're all different. And yeah, so I've never, I've, I've always made it a conscious effort of not to talk that way. And I have to say when my oldest was maybe like eight or nine years old, she came to me and made a negative comment about her body. And I was like, oh, here we go. I haven't said anything. And she's obviously heard something somewhere that somebody has said about their body or hers or something. Mm -hmm. I panicked in the moment of, oh my gosh, how do I address this? And then just Mm -hmm. kind of turn to her. And again, we had the conversation of like, every body is different, you know, and the things your body can do. So I've tried to make it bodies in neutral. You know, again, I don't talk about my body, but then as far as the food part goes, it's really amazing when you look at little kids and you look at babies, you know, they know when to stop nursing. Mm. They know when to, they don't want the bottle anymore, you know, and they're born intuitive eaters. And I kept thinking, gosh, if I could just like have my kids hold on to this for as long as possible, maybe then it'll still be in their adulthood or, you know, later in life when, when they are seeing friends that are dieting or they're reading magazine covers in the grocery checkout. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I don't know, about others, but you have that friend that you look at and you're like, gosh, like you've never heard them say anything negative about food or about their bodies. And they seem to like eat intuitively. Like you're at a restaurant and they eat some and then they're like, oh, I don't want any more or they do. And, and I've been in awe of those people because I was not that person. Right. Yeah. So 
our fridge, my, my kids whole, you know, whole life so far is my fridge has been full of fruits and vegetables, but we have candy bins in the pantry mm-hmm. and they've never really been off limits or you have to eat, you know, all of your dinner to get a piece of candy or a mm-hmm. dessert, you know, quote unquote, it's just all like, it's, it's equal playing field, you know? Yes. If yeah. my kids ask for three pieces of candy in the room, I'm like, okay, maybe this is going to be the last one. And we're going to have, you know, then you can pick an apple or a cheese stick or something else, you know, to balance it out. But yeah, so I've, I've tried to make it neutral and where they've always been, you know, if you don't want to finish it and it wasn't like, okay, if you don't finish it, I'm throwing away. I literally would put their plate in the fridge and I'm like, that's fine. If, if you're hungry later, it's there if you want it, you mm-hmm. know, because maybe they're not hungry at that exact time. Um, so I've tried, hopefully it works. <laughs> right? um, yeah, podcast uh, in a few years, we'll, we'll, we'll come back and revisit. Yeah, I was- but even now, like I look at my 15 year old and my 11 year old and I'm like, I feel like they still intuitively eat for the most part. Yeah. That's you so know? awesome. Awesome to see and to witness as mm-hmm. not just a dietitian, but a mom. And I, I always joke, I'm like, I, Lord knows the type of mom that I may be one day. <laughs> I, I might be the crazy mom, who knows, you know, the dietitian mom. But on another note, I was talking to a client about this recently who, you know, similar, a lot of the clients that we see, right? She struggled with food and body her whole life and was very adamant and intentional. I think her daughters are in college now, but she remembers, you know, saying, yeah, I was very intentional about, I will not talk about my body, right? All the thing, basically the opposite of how she was raised, the opposite of yeah. her experience. And we said that, you know, could you imagine getting to a place at school where you can't even wrap your head around these things other girls are saying or other boy, you know, other kids are talking about food because you never experienced that. And I asked her, I said, have you had that conversation with them about about the conversations that they have with their friends or, you know, in school about bodies or, or food and stuff? And she's like, no. And I'm interested to get an update on what she will say because it's kind of like how you're saying, right? They've never from her perspective, she's done such an amazing job that food is no big deal to them. And it's just a part of life and it's enjoyable. And it, again, doesn't take up that negative space. Right. Right. They're not thinking about it when it's not, you know, a meal time or. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like so far it's worked. So we're going to keep going with it, you know? <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. Yeah. What do you, so for Everybody listening, if you haven't learned already, Brooke is obviously part of the practice and accepting clients. And we're so excited. So for those of you who haven't met you, you know, tell us what do you love most about working with our clients? I love the aha moments or hearing somebody come on one of the calls and saying, I went to this event and I had a piece of cake and you know what? It wasn't that great. So you know, I had a couple bites and I put it to the side and realized hmm, maybe there's something better or the same thing as I went and ate this and I didn't feel guilty. You know, mm-hmm. they took that, uh, they took the power away from the food and they just enjoyed it and they enjoyed the company or I, yeah, I enjoyed the company is not, you know, the food wasn't the focus. Mm-hmm. It was the company mm-hmm. and who I was with and I was present because I wasn't thinking about the food. So I think that, I think those aha moments and those little glimmers of becoming an intuitive eater, you know, like it takes time, just like my recovery, it all takes time and there's ebbs and flows and you might backtrack a little bit, but it's going to be easier to get back on, 
you know, the more you do it. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, those aha moments and those little, those little glimmers of, yeah, you're, yeah. you're getting it and it's working. Oh my gosh. I agree with that so much. And I love how you mentioned like the glimmers, like the aha moments, because when the work that we do, right, we see clients at a minimum for, you know, like 12 weeks at a time. So that's, that's kind of a long period, but it is, it's these, it's these moments, these little switches that turn on throughout that process. And then it's so fun by the end to be able to go, do you remember who you were when you walked in this door, when you sat down when we had that first conversation. Sometimes what I'll even do is I'll pull up that initial consult, like the notes that I took. And I'm like, can I just read you what, what you wrote? And do you remember setting this goal about wanting to feel you know confident around food? Do you hear what you just said? Like, I think that is just, yes, I agree. The best part. Yeah. It's their moment of being in the coffee shop going, oh man, mm. the old me would have. Yeah. And holding a, with these foods and holding yeah. a mirror up to I just got off a podcast interview that used this example. So I'm stealing it. Sorry. Sorry, Caitlin. But she said that she, you know, like her job is to hold up a mirror to help them see it for themselves. Right. And I think we witness that a lot on calls as they will say something like it's and and think it's not a big deal, but then we're able to hold up that mirror and go, look at you. Yes, that is a big deal and celebrate for them. Oh, yes. Yes. I love it. Well, this has been so fun. We're going to have you on the podcast more. Obviously, we have we have a lot to say, a lot of things to talk about. But uh, before we wrap up, tell us what's the best thing that's happened to you this week. Oh, it's the you've little- had and you've had a week. You've had a couple. You've had a month. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm thankful to be in February. I'm going to knock on wood while I say that. Um, it was the little things this week. We had. I'm in the Midwest also like Katie and we had cold come in and snow, but the day before it came in, we had a glimmer of spring and my best friend and I took the opportunity to go on a walk and it ended up being like a two hour walk and talk during lunchtime. And it was amazing. That was like the best thing I needed it to connect and just to move my body and get outside. It was perfect. And now I can't wait till it's really spring. Yes. Amen. Amen to that. Thank you for reminding me because I think that's maybe one of the best things that happened to me this week too. And I forgot already that I was like, wait, I did get to go outside and go for a walk and just walking is just so great. I don't know if you agree. It's like, I really underestimate sometimes how good it feels to just be outside. I'm usually listening to a podcast while I'm out there walking. (laughs) Yeah. Which tell listeners what your favorite podcast genres are. (laughs) Um, Usually mostly a lot of dietetic podcasts. And I also like re- ones about reality TV. <laughs> That's when I knew. That's when I knew we would get along. Stuff. Yeah. Brooke, Brooke was like, I listened to this trash. I watched this trash. <laughs> and I was like, you're smart, but you also know when to just completely shut it off. And that's my kind of girl. <laughs> exactly. You need brainless. So yes. yeah, it's, it's a mix of the two, depending on what I'm in the mood for. Well, where can listeners find you if they want to connect with you, reach out with you, schedule a call? What's, where do you like to hang out? On Instagram, but I need to find my <laughs> Your handle? Is it Brooke Smith my Nutrition? Handle. There you go. No, I think I had... It's Brooke, B-R-O-O-K-E underscore R-D-N for Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Okay. We will link to that. Um, and you can also schedule a call to work with Brooke. If you go to katiehake.com forward slash schedule, you have to get through me. I'm the gatekeeper. 
we'll have a quick, quick chat and then get you scheduled for a consult. And what about your email? Do you want to share your email? You don't have to share if you don't want to. Oh yeah. People don't it's harass Brooke, her. Again, B-R-O-O-K-E at katiehake.com. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. If you liked this episode, don't forget to share it with a friend. You can subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Fit Friends Happy Hour. Talk to you next time.